Hello, hello, and welcome to Muscles and Medicine Podcast. I am Joe. I'm Aaron. And today's episode, we're going to be discussing the importance of blood work, overall health, fitness, and its relation to performance. Um, we're going to cover the importance in bodybuilding as well, not just in general nutrition, but bodybuilding. Certain labs that bodybuilders should have checked, identifying some potential health issues of bodybuilders, how to optimize your blood work, get the most out of it, and then recovery as well. And last week we talked about some uh, some of the basic supplementation, and today we are we're going to the AP class. We're stepping up a little bit. We are moving into anabolics. It's a topic that we've been kind of flirting around with, and we know there's a lot of interest in, but we're going to talk about kind of some of the dangers or some of the things that you can expect, I guess, if you're someone that's been using anabolics for some time and you've not looked into getting your blood work, why that should be a priority to you and some things that you need to look out for when you do go get your blood panels checked. Also, just for my own personal protection, this is not medical advice. I'm not telling anyone to go take steroids. Don't do it. However, I'm going to warn you of the dangers of all of them, side effects, what to expect when you do, if you do, when you do. Let's be realistic here. And I've got a would you rather this week. All right. So would you rather have a cheat meal once a week for the rest of your life, pretty standard to what we've been doing for the last, I don't know, three, five years, or be able to eat anything you want without consequences one day a month. So essentially one meal a week or one day a month. Mm. We're basically lump sum versus uh, thrown out in payments. This is terribly sad of me to say, and it brings out the fat kid. But if I could have one whole day to smash every calorie I could with zero consequences, I would do that. Because I know I can realistically stay on plan for 29, 30 days straight because I've done it in prep. Sure. I know I can do that. But one day... Like I'm saying 25,000 calories, as much as my body will hold. Straight cheat meals. Wake up the next day at baseline where I was the previous morning. I'd probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Okay. So here's. And that's my explanation. Also, one one free meal a week sounds good too. But for me personally, well, we're one used, day a month. We're used to the yeah, one free meal. That's I'm kind ready of. to change it up. Check this out. So do you ever remember hearing stories of like back in like the seventies, you eighties, know, a kid gets caught smoking a cigarette and his parent or would be make like, him smoke, the make smoke the whole pack. I'm thinking if I've got one day a month, I'm rolling down to this, like the greasiest Chinese buffet oh. and I am smashing food until I am so physically sick that I don't want to think about food. So you're going to need a rolling porta potty with you. That's what I'm that. saying for the next 30 days. Like I'm going to be like just getting all that evil out of my body. I might get well, leaner. You don't have to. It's without consequences. You have no evil to get out. So, I mean, all right, we're going to ask Derek. Derek, what do you think? Would you have one cheat meal a week for the rest of your life or one just binge day for one day a month? I think I would have to go with the uh, one meal a week each week. So, that's just what I'm used to. For those that don't understand, um, Derek is a client of mine and has been since the start of January. So I feel like this is kind of like one of those deals where it's like if your spouse asks you if like you think this girl's pretty and he's like, no, I would definitely not want to binge 25,000 cal- That would be so unproductive of me. Anyways, coach. My, my birthday is coming up though. So just a fair warning. <laughs> Let's go. Derek, Derek gained seven pounds in one week. <laughs> one deviation. Uh, it was 24 hours, but, you know, it was just one consistent <laughs> deviation. All right, man. All right, let's get into this first topic. Aaron, you want to take away? So, first topic is the importance of blood work for fitness, health, and performance. Um, 
we're going to talk about why blood work is important for overall health and fitness and performance. So everyone needs blood work. At some point, we're all going to need blood work. I always recommend anyone over 18, get blood work once a year. If you find flags, something's wrong, you know, get with your medical provider, your doctor, maybe get it more often. If you're a diabetic, I have some people get it every three months. Um, everyone, everyone needs to get a baseline though. I think this is something that I've had to kind of learn as we went along. First off, like the first time I got blood work done was like after our second prep. I didn't get anything done the first time. And I think like I had to get some done. I think something had to do with the military. We knew it was healthy going in. So like afterwards was feeling fine. Just didn't think to check anything up. We got a panel done after my second show and saw some like very minor things like my kidney function was a little bit low and i think a lot of that was just like being super dehydrated and getting the blood work done right afterwards uh right after the show i wanted to train like crazy two days two times a day it was just like you know you get the food back in you're having fun with it again so you know kidney function wasn't great but other than that everything checked out but as i've coached more now it's starting to become something that i like i don't demand but i like yeah. I encourage definitely. I demand now most of the time because really? I get a new patient out of it. That's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Double dipping. <laughs> yeah, I got to get it where you can. Well, the thing is, like, there's so many things that, like, it, it'll just save you a lot of time. Like, you, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of, like, trial and error. So, okay, like, everyone, they're checking all the boxes, this, that, and the other's going right, and they're not losing weight. And then you go get their, you know, blood panel checked, and they're just like, oh, their thyroid's just destroyed. Yeah. So, like, it's little things like that. But in relation to, like, I don't know, performance. What's like something that like you're looking for on a blood? Well, okay, we'll just start there. Like on a blood panel, what you're looking at as a coach, first off, what is something you're looking for? So as a coach, obviously, um, you're going to get a full thyroid panel, which is TSH, T3, T4. So thyroid stimulating hormone, T4, which is levothyroxine is what the replacement's called. And then T3 or leothyronine is what replaces T3. T3 is the active hormone. T4 is less active. It gets converted to T3, and we can dive into the science forever. But thyroid, always at the top of my list. Testosterone, estradiol, cortisol, vitamin D, vitamin B12, IGF-1 if the person is on anabolics. There's so many. CBC, just for blood counts. Anyone that's anemic is obviously going to have a lot of fatigue. If you're taking anabolics, your CBC, your blood levels are going to be high. You need to get blood drawn off because it's going to make your blood thicker. You can get clots. Um, CMP, which shows liver enzymes, kidney function, sodium, potassium, creatinine levels, blood urea, nitrogen. So like if you're overtraining, you got a lot of muscle tissue breakdown, your creatinine's really high, which is kind of the reason your kidney function was low because yeah, your creatinine, creatinine was, was so super, elevated yeah. because you had so much muscle tissue breakdown. But what happened was we introduced food back in a lot and you're like, whoa, I feel great. Let's tear my muscles apart. And you did. Yeah. Your muscles all apart. Those couple weeks post-show are some of the most you know, fun workouts oh, you'll have on, all year. The pumps come back. Oh, for sure. But I think it's like just talking about like you were saying, that, you know, talking about like severe fatigue and things of that nature. I think it's really, it, it's kind of amazing how like that level of fatigue or things of that nature that shouldn't be common like or shouldn't be normal becomes someone's normal just because they've lived with it for so long. Yeah, like they won't even know they feel bad until you make them feel good again. Exactly. So I have plenty of people that, and you don't have to be overweight to have hypothyroidism. I genetically have it. My mom has it. I have family members that have it. And I was tired, but I was like, you know, I work very hard. It's normal that I'm tired. So I got my thyroid done. My TSH was a little bit high. We fixed it. 
And now I was like, whoa, I feel so much better now. I feel normal. So some people don't know how bad they feel until whatever deficiency they have is replaced and they begin to feel better. And I think specifically, like I've seen like guys that suffer from low testosterone, a don't realize, like I said, that they may have low T. They just think that like, they're just, you know, just aging. They're just aging aging. or they're just like, Oh, they're just overworked. And that's why they feel sluggish or whatever. They just something like they've lacked some motivation. That's why they're not progressing in the gym and they go get it checked out. And then another thing is, I think some guys are like almost embarrassed to address it. Yeah. And cause most of the time, the issues that come with low T aren't things that a man wants to go sit down and talk about. Absolutely. And I think that's common and it's very, it's almost very, so cliche because it, all men just avoid it, avoid that topic. But when they come and sit with me and talk to me and I'm like, yeah, this is an easy fix. Like this is something, why, how long have you felt this way? Oh, I've had these issues for, I don't know, two or three years now. I'm like, so you've been suffering for two or three years when you could have came and got, you know, your arm stuck, got, give us some blood and we check it and have you back to normal in four months, three or four months. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I didn't know it was that easy. So it, it is, it's, it, there's, there's so much that goes into blood work yet. There's so many ways to fix the problems. Um, a lot of it's diet too, though. I mean, realistically as an aside, just like while we're on the topic, if you know of anyone, or if you are someone that has been experiencing like, like tons of fatigue or things that are just like out of the ordinary for someone your age, look into getting a blood panel done. Like don't be embarrassed to ask about it. There are different routes that you can go through that instead of like billing through your insurance, just reach out for help. I mean, if you know, that means messaging Aaron on Instagram or something like that and seeing if we can like connect you to the right resources. I just think that a big part of us having this platform right here would be to help people that need it as much as this is for entertainment. This is just showing that there's resources out there and there are guys that are like you that you can reach out to and be like, you know, don't have to be embarrassed about talking to a doctor that's 70, 80 years old. And, you know, just don't know if they'll relate to you or whatever. And I'm not saying you have to come see me. Like I can send you links to order your own blood work and go get it tomorrow in another lab. I mean, like Joe said, we genuinely just want to help people with this. This is not, you know, we're not sitting here making money. We genuinely want to, help you better your life mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever we can do to help is that's good enough for us. That's priority for us right now, man. Tell me like something I've noticed as we've coached a couple different athletes is do you see a lot of like 20 year olds that like males specifically that are suffering from like lower testosterone or like I've seen a couple of them that and granted, like you said, a lot of it's dietary. So like if someone's got a really poor diet and you know, they're well overweight Then you know, your hormone functions just because of like, you know, this, that, and the other is probably going to be deficient in some areas. So that makes sense to me, but I've seen some genuinely like relatively healthy guys with. Yeah. So a lot of that is timing dependent as well. So when I have someone get, if I want a true testosterone level on someone that has never taken testosterone before, I will say you need no ejaculation for 48 hours before at all and then first thing in the morning it has to be first thing in the morning and no sex no ejaculation 48 hours before that's going to be your most accurate level mm-hmm. if it's low once i may double check it if someone's young i may double check it and then go off an average because it, it does it fluctuates it's like any other hormone in sure. your body it fluctuates um so you can take an average of two or three readings especially if it's in, in someone young but i do see a lot of 
mid 20, upper 20, 30 year olds that come to me like, yeah, I took, I took such and such back in the day. I was on this for so long. I didn't, didn't know how to come off of whatever, didn't know post-cycle therapy. And now I feel terrible. I see that probably more often just because people know that I know a lot about that, I guess. So they'll come to me and I'm like, well, you know, you're, you're 23 years old. I'm not going to put you on testosterone. Let me get you in to see a urologist so they can manage it because your their problem is a little different than someone with true low testosterone. Mm-hmm. It's treated the same way, but yeah, it just depends. It's situational too. So like if you were 37, 38 years old, had never taken any exogenous testosterone and you come to my office and you're like, man, I feel terrible. I'm so tired all the time and I do it. And your number is like, 150. I'm like, okay. Yeah. We got to fix you. I'll treat you. Let's, let's do this. But if it's a self-inflicted problem, a lot of times I'll refer it out. It just depends on who it is too. Something I'd always heard, and I've repeated it several times. So I guess this will be a good time to kind of check you on it. I'd always heard that like when you remove a lot of fat, that naturally your testosterone rises. And I forget what the science is behind that. Uh, leaner body mass. Yeah. You're going to have better testosterone. I, you know, People that are obese do tend to have lower testosterones. I remember hearing it was something like that, like whatever was stored in the fat cells as the fat cells shrink, it's like released into the body or something like that. I might have to like touch on that a little bit more, but uh, yeah, I do. I mean, if someone comes to me and they're 32, 33, over 400 pounds and decreased sex drive, you can pretty much mark it down that they have low testosterone versus someone who comes to me that's in decent shape same age, some fatigue, there's maybe low B12 or, you know, and I'm not saying the person with low testosterone can't have low B12, low vitamin D, all those other things that contribute to energy, but they are more likely to have low testosterone. Just from my personal experience, I'm not saying overall, or I'm not saying that's a scientific study, but in my personal experience, yeah. I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's almost hard to say, okay, is this a result of being you know very overweight or is this just like the lifestyle that has caused them to be very overweight is also the reason that they're like okay say someone is like completely sedentary and they've gained a lot of weight and this that and the other okay they have like no sex drive but they're also like i said they're not taking care of themselves physically so they're probably you know maybe experiencing some kind of depression this that and the other Yeah, no i think it's a combination i think it's a combination of both i don't necessarily know if your mental health can affect it but i, I do think if you're sedentary, you get overweight, you have a terrible diet, it decreases your testosterone, then you become, you may have issues with depression because when you have low testosterone, you know, all of those things do occur, all mm-hmm. of the symptoms. So you do begin to feel terrible, I'm sure. It's interesting. I think it's, like I said, obviously your lifestyle is going to play as a play oh, a factor yeah. in it, but just making like little substitutions or little changes in your life is just, I think that's something we'll talk a lot about is just like making like small goals and kind of helping like get yourself out of that funk. But I don't know, that's just kind of a little caveat, just like the everyday individual that's dealing with some issues with their, you know, some red flags with their blood work or their hormone levels, but in a little bit more of an advanced scale, talk about like someone who's into bodybuilding some things that they might be like okay like you're prepping you're about to start prep for your first show what would be something that like you'd want to look into that maybe the common everyday athlete or the everyday individual might not you know necessarily pay attention to or there's certain hydration okay yeah really hydration um so you don't want to send someone out to run track that's dehydrated it's the same with bodybuilding you know as you're one week out from a contest you start 
pushing all this water and then two days out you may start really pulling it back and you may get super dehydrated on stage and you don't want to do that on someone that's already somewhat dehydrated to start so then it can just lead to a lot of long-term problems with the kidneys um, cortisol levels you want to make sure that cortisol levels are in a good place thyroid always thyroid i think i'm going to harp on thyroid probably more than anything else because it's so important there's so many cholesterol um you know when you're prepping for a show and you're hardly consuming any fats your hdl which is good cholesterol can actually be lower than it should be versus being where it should be which is usually above 40 but if you can get it 48 50 range that's that's really good um gonna have a lot of heart protection there i think it's just as a kind of cookie cutter explanation it's just like you want to make sure that you're starting from like a healthy generally healthy position because there's going to be so much fluctuation in your hormone levels your blood levels your you know your blood panels i remember uh the girl I've seen when I started my last prep, she was asking me, she was like, we're five, six weeks into prep. I was feeling terrible all the time. You know, this was, you know, this last prep we've talked about previously. It's just like, it was really hard on me mentally and physically. And she was like, oh, you need to go get your blood work checked again. I know, you know, we got it done right before I started. She said, you need to probably go get it checked out again. And I'm like, well, we've already started like supplementation. There's so many other things going on. Right. It'd be hard to get like an accurate reading of like where I'm at. Like right now, mid prep is mid prep blood work something that you yeah. recommend yes you okay. want, so my thing is if you can get mid prep blood work most people don't some people do it's going to show you where you are at your worst fair okay and that's going to be like it's it's going to be surprising to you because i mean <clears throat> most of the time even a natural guy so say like you have a natural client in prep and he is you know six percent body fat mm -hmm. his testosterone is probably going to be low just from the fatigue he's experiencing, the food, the lack of energy, everything he's putting him through, he can tank his own testosterone, in a sense, physically, just by pushing himself the way he is. Now, with Cameron that I put on stage in August, we've, like, since then, I know, like, he got really, really lean for his first show, and he's a smaller guy anyways, and he went and got some blood work done, and his test read, it wasn't low by normal levels, but for, like, someone 20, well, 19, 18 years old, he was in like the low normal range and it right. really freaked him out and that was a couple months post show and he was i think he was kind of overworked and i remember we had talked about it and he little things that he didn't take care of right. beforehand so it could have been like reading and that's what I, that's what i was referring to when i said timing sure too so like had he followed those guidelines and went back you know two months in when his diet was spot on his training was spot on and he wasn't on his feet for 35,000 steps a day or whatever he was doing. Yeah, that's crazy. It probably would have been seven or 800 realistically, which is good. I mean, it's great for his age. Yeah. So there, there's a lot, there's so much to check. God, we can do this all day. Cholesterol for sure. Always, always, always check cholesterol. Um, estradiol levels, especially in enhanced bodybuilders. You mm -hmm. definitely want to check estradiol, estradiol levels because you get a lot of conversion from testosterone to estradiol too. So that's something we're going to have to talk on a little yeah, bit more. To touch on that too. For the females specifically. And I know we'll end up having another time where we'll probably bring on a guest that'll talk a little bit more about the female body specifically. But say if you have a female client in prep, you know, Tori's competed before. There's mm -hmm. certain like, uh, like biomarkers that you're looking for that like uh -huh. are a little bit might be like abnormal. Granted, like, you know, your thyroid, your cholesterol, things of that nature, that's pretty much unisex. You're wanting to know, obviously, kidney function, things of that nature. Across the board, you want to make sure those are healthy, man or woman. But is there anything that's like off the top of your head that might stick out? There's a lot of similarities, mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, you're still going to look at the hormone levels. And, you know, of course, you're going to look at 
estrogen more in a woman and testosterone as well, because, you know, women do require a certain amount of testosterone to function just like men do. It's not near the level of what a man requires, but it's still got to be there. Um, thyroid cortisol levels in women are a little bit more susceptible to change. I don't know if it's due to their menstrual cycle, but cortisol in women is a little more touchy, a little more tedious. So definitely want to check that. And it also depends on if they're enhanced or natural too, depending on what you really want to dive into. Um, for a natural female competitor, I would probably check CBC blood counts, CMP, kidney function, liver enzymes, sodium, potassium, all that good stuff. TSH, T3, T4. I would also do a, like a thyroid peroxidase antibody, which mm-hmm. is basically just making sure you don't have an autoimmune disease fighting your thyroid during a prep because that would be horrible. Vitamin D, vitamin B12, testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, cortisol. I think that's most of them. If I'm missing one, I'll think of it. See, that's this a is a lot of blood work. This is one of the cool things I've always thought about having Aaron as a close friend and as my coach. Having a PA at your disposal has made this coaching process and had the competing process so much more simplified for me. I was just telling him the other day, I'm picking up a new prep client. Her name's Whitney and Whitney is she's we've not talked a whole lot about it this is probably you know two days ago we had this conversation she's given me a list of she said you know she gets blood work done all the time she's been to all these different like specialists and things of that nature just checking out things with her thyroid checking out things with uh, pcos and like a hundred different like little things that she's checked on and i was like okay Give me a list of all these things because a lot of this is in my wheelhouse. Granted, she's prepping for a women's bodybuilding competition. Right. Def- definitely not in my wheelhouse. I've been working with physique guys for the last two years. But and she I just was, thought of more labs when you mentioned her. So keep okay, going. that's fine. Uh, but she she was even telling me, she said, I know this kind of isn't your wheelhouse. There's probably going to be some trial and error there. And I just try to be transparent with her. I was like, yeah, a lot of this isn't in my wheelhouse, but we've got a really cool team behind us. So I said, you know. Tori's a nurse and she's competed before. So I've got a female who has competed, understands the body, understands some of the things that she might be going through. I've got her, if nothing else, I joked that, you know, Tori was my therapist all through prep. And then also I have Aaron, my coach is a PA and also my best friend. So I can handle the blood work. Can handle the blood work. Yes. Also, if someone, and this is more general population rather than bodybuilding. If someone comes to me and they are not losing weight, having irregular periods, painful periods, just all out of sorts. And I've kind of checked thyroid and, you know, vitamin B12, vitamin D, the basics. I will dive into checking testosterone, insulin levels. Insulin levels in women are also so, so, so important with women that have PCOS. It's also why women with PCOS are so much more likely to develop diabetes. So if you have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, Mm -hmm. A lot of those women have a higher testosterone level, which is when you get the androgenic effects of PCOS. You'll have what's called hirsutism, which is increased facial hair around your face. There's many, many side effects of PCOS. That's just a couple off the top of my head. So anytime I have someone that has PCOS that's having trouble losing weight, testosterone level, insulin level, estrogen level. So what you usually see is the insulin level is usually sky high. So I think the top range of a normal of a random insulin is like 25 Sometimes these will be like in the 200. It's like 10 times normal. Wow. So then you got to figure out a way to normalize the insulin level, normalize the testosterone level back to a normal normal range and be like, okay, go try that for a while. So there's actually two medicines that I use a lot in women with PCOS that are trying to lose weight. One of them is metformin, 
which basically just drops your insulin level to where it should be, whether it be 500 milligrams, 1,000, or 2,000. That's a common medicine I use for women that have PCOS and are wanting to lose weight. Um, and then spironolactone. Spironolactone, it's an aldosterone antagonist. So aldosterone, which is kind of testosterone in women, okay. it's an antagonist of it, so it drops it to normal range and will kind of help a lot of the side effects of PCOS. There's a lot to this. It's interesting. I, I remember, you know, I had... A client come to me, Amber was wanting to do her first show, yes. and she told me she suffers from PCOS and was really concerned about how this was going to affect her. Amber's in amazing shape mm-hmm. and has been training for 10 years, and she was, you know, we started looking into some of it, and I'm reading into it, and I'm like, all the side effects that I'm seeing for PCOS, she seems to have none of them. Right. Other than, like, I'm assuming probably higher testosterone levels. They're yeah. like the, what was, you, what was the term you used? The like the testosterone for women was you just oh it's just testosterone I was saying that medicines now aldosterone antagonist oh, okay, which gotcha. means it drops testosterone oh I got gotcha, you gotcha. yeah. so in like almost PCOS is kind of this isn't scientific for me to say this but somewhat of a spectrum someone may have PCOS and have zero symptoms or I may be able to see someone in Walmart and look at them and be like they have PCOS and that's how wild it is because like I know women that have PCOS that are 120 pounds and their only complaint when they come to me is like man my periods kill me like in their irregular that's amazing i may have a period for two weeks i may not have one for three months and then i have women that i could have seen them in public and been like they have pcos and that's i think that just comes with how long i've done it and then also learning like what causes what but yeah pcos is a it's an odd thing and it, it does you know i always say Everyone can lose weight. Everyone can do this. But when it comes to people with PCOS, it is harder. So a lot of like this, the stigma around bodybuilding, weightlifting is everyone can do it. You just have to put your mind to it. People with PCOS, it is actually harder until you normalize those hormones. It is much harder when you normalize them. Then it's a level playing field. Kind of, I guess we'll jump on into, uh, kind of our, our deeper conversation of the day. This is what everyone came to hear. Like I said, so last week we touched on some of the, I guess your your starter supplements. You know, this is the starter pack. Your starter pack. This is that was your gateway supplements. Everyone starts with you know their first anabolic steroid, creatine monohydrate. You know, um, <laughs> and then the addiction spirals from there. You know, so then like you just so typically the natural progression is creatine trenbolone acetate so like <laughs> no steps in between no steps in. only no test base just roll with it no so without diving into each super supplement i think it's really quickly we can kind of touch on just like just from a blood work aspect just some of the most the most common ones and what they will do to a blood panel so Typically, like, say you get someone who's just ran their first cycle of testosterone at, like, a, I don't know, what would you consider a, a, you know, like a... Normal first cycle? Normal first cycle. What, what, cypionates? Uh, 1,200 milligrams a week. No, I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) No. Realistically, if someone has come to me and they're like, hey, I'm done testosterone at 600 milligrams a week for 12 weeks, realistically, you've probably not done a great deal of damage. Right. To be honest. And this is, like I said, this is not me telling you to do this. This is not medical advice. Do not do any of these things. Mm-hmm. My most important thing I'm going to check is the CBC. Okay. Because a lot of times you get what's called um, polycythemia, which is you get increased red blood cells, increased hematocrit, 
And in that case, if that's all that's wrong, you go donate blood at a local blood bank, you're fine. So, however, if you use this long term, you can, you know, you <clears throat> increase your risk of stroke, heart attack, clots. And as your blood thickens, your heart has to pump harder, therefore increase, increasing your blood pressure. And then the left wall of your heart can thicken. And then you have left ventricular hypertrophy. And I see that really commonly, you know, on EKGs, on echoes, and people that have used, abused, not used. If you are using testosterone as prescribed by a provider, they most likely know what they're doing. Carry on. But I'm saying when you abuse this, these are just some of the things that can happen. Well, and real quickly, I want to kind of touch on the word abuse with TRT dosages for like a first cycle of testosterone. Well, TRT dosages, 125 every 10 to 14 days. It depends. Yeah, I mean, roughly, I, I have I have people on 150 every two weeks, 100 every four days, 200 a week. Two, it just depends. It's all person to person. Say average, we're talking maybe 150 a week would be a general like. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's reasonable. Okay, so 150 one, a week is going to actually probably put you pretty good if you. I mean, that's that's good. So if you're talking to someone that's taking 600 a week. I want to touch on this because he said, you know, probably wouldn't do a great deal of damage. Your first time. Your first time. But that is abusing testosterone. Let's not make any bones about it. Like yeah, that you know, is drug addicts. That's like 100%. I think the my definition of the abuse of testosterone, if it's not prescribed and monitored by your physician, technically it's abuse. Well, it, all right, take it this way. If someone was taking pain medication, narcotics that weren't prescribed by a physician, that's drug abuse. Sure. And so just, just the way my mind is wired, I guess having my job, like if you are taking testosterone that is not prescribed, no matter what level, that's my definition. I think that this is just something that we need to touch on just specifically like dosages and the effects that trying to run these high dosages oh, yeah. to like, uh, there's this idea with bodybuilding. I mean, I guess really with anything life. in yeah, in life or more, in, more. Yeah. Just like this idea that, okay, if a little bit works, then a lot's really going to kill it. Like, okay. If it's really going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. Well, like of this a hundred mil, like a cup of coffee in the morning was really killing it for me. So now let me, you know, smash two bangs together and stone cold them and, you know, pour yeah. them down my neck and then go in there and then dry scoop pre-work. And then when your heart blows up, you're like, what? Well, I don't understand. Well, like, you know, that yeah. no more is not always more. So, so what I always say to patients, every time I put a patient on a medication, no matter what it is, I tell them we will use the lowest effective dose. If it is working and you're still progressing, whether it be your diabetes, your blood pressure or whatever, don't change it. Sure. The lowest effective dose from diabetes medications to testosterone management to cholesterol. For an example, say you come to me and your total cholesterol is 270. Normal is below 200. We put you on a medicine. Say we put you on something that's 10 milligrams and you come back in and it's, it's 180. So that's, you're back in normal, right? And you say to me like, ah, I'm, I'm normal, but it could be better. Can we increase that? I'm going to say no, like you're normal now. Stop. Mm -hmm. You may need this dosage later. Sure. Which <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> analogy. You, I mean, may, you may need this dosage later, but don't take that in to like your testosterone abuse diary. Um, because I know some people just wrote that down. We may need this dose. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, but realistically, like the lowest effective dose is where you need to stay. I think that's where a lot of specifically young guys, I mean, I'm not even to say there. Well, another like little side caveat is just like where you hear guys saying, okay, I'm going to take 
250 testosterone for the first two weeks. Then I'm going to jump it to 500. Then I'm going to jump it to, and like my argument is always like, you've not even seen how your body yeah, responds stop to jumping it. before you walk. It, exactly. Exactly. And you have no idea like what side effects, if you're growing, if you're doing like, if you're reaching all of your, and I, I'm trying not to, you know, super promote it, but you know, like saying, yeah, Oh, if you're growing, if you're progressing, if you're doing all the things you want, most of the people we're referring to are going to take this regardless. And I'm just kind of taking that in mind. So if you're seeing results off the 250 or whatever it is that you're starting off why, with, why change it? Why are you jumping? Just because you're like, again, like, Oh, if a little bit's working. Well, and, and a lot of it is, is now just in the fitness community and in life, we have this idea of instant gratification. Mm -hmm. I could gain 10 pounds in 16 weeks, but I could do it in five. So my thing, would you rather, somewhat healthily do it over 16 or would you rather torture and internal organs and your body systems to do it in five or six sure and my answer for me now now at 21 years old you ask me this i'm like give me five weeks bro if he dies but, he dies yeah that's fine but now like knowing what i know seeing my own blood work doing my own blood work i'm like yeah it's probably better to be careful yeah so and you know another another anabolic steroid we talk about a lot is trenbolone it is strong. It does work. It definitely works. And that's why it has, you know, that's why it has the rep. It does. But this stuff will absolutely destroy your cholesterol panel from someone who sees it all the time. If someone comes to me and they say, I started a cycle, I can look at their blood work and tell if they've taken trend a hundred percent of the time. No joke. I had a guy who said, yeah, I started taking some stuff. He didn't really tell me what. And a lot of times I can just put in the note, you know, patients started taking anabolic steroids recently. I don't have to give all the names in that and I'll order his blood work. Mm -hmm. His HDL, which is his cardioprotective cholesterol, you need a certain level of this to prevent hardening of the arteries, clots from forming. There, there's a, a ton of reasons to have a good amount of this. Normal is above 40. I like to see people 48 to 50. His was six, just six. That's insane. I almost died. Like when so I, did he? When I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I called him, I said, so you'd mentioned taking the steroid cycle. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I had. I was like, well, were you taking this by any chance? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, stop it now. Yeah. Like, and he was taking, I think it was his first cycle. And he was taking like 600 milligrams a week <laughs> in trim. And I was like, do not do that. And he was like, yeah, buddy at the gym told me. I was like, no, no more buddies at the gym telling you anything, dude. Like, don't do that. It baffles me. There's And here's another thing. He was trying to lose weight. He was like eating 12 to 1300 calories a day. He was saying, yeah, this will make me cut. This will make me cut. There is no specific steroid that makes you cut or grow. You know, you can't just take one of a certain thing and then not eat and think you're going to cut or grow. It's not how it works. They all have different reasons and act in different ways and they have their different places, but there's not one that does it for you. Just on that topic, I have seen several gym goers come up to me and, or, you know, I hear them mention in passing, they're like, ah, you know, getting close to summer, I'm going to start taking some wind straw and uh, we're going to really shed some fat down. They won't change a thing about their diet, won't change a thing about cardio. Out of nowhere, they just start taking wind straw mm -hmm. with, 
you know, reckless abandoned, and you and see their eyes start turning yellow and jaundice because their liver hates them. But what always ends up happening, why it always it's so popular, like you know, it dehydrates them a little bit. They'll see like you know, oh, they got a bicep vein now for the first time, like because their know. blood pressure is high. Exactly, their blood pressure gets high, and their joints are like you know, yeah, just it, absolutely it, screaming at joints. them. While you were on that, your joints hurt. And I guess that's you know, to someone that doesn't know, they're just like, oh, I feel dry and grainy. No, that's not dry and grainy. That is. That's that's tendonitis. That's exactly. But I told someone that at the gym one day, and they got so mad. They're like, "Man, my elbow's killing me on these skull crushers." I was like, "Are you taking Winstraw?" They're like, "Yeah, I've been on it for about six weeks." I was like, "Yeah, that's. You don't need it." They're like, "Wow, what do you mean? It's going to help me lose weight?" I was like, "You're 27 percent body fat. You don't need it. You need." To diet just on that same note of just talking about winstrol i don't think people realize like when it should be used if this is not a you know let me take fr- it for summer yeah let me front load this for my summer cut or let no. me like as far as i'm concerned you should never touch that medically you should never touch that if you have a coach that is making you take winstrol for longer than six to seven weeks fire them immediately and if they're having you take crazy dosages and you can't hardly do a bicep curl because you're, you know, your tendonitis in your elbow is so flared up, fire them. Something is wrong. Be careful if you have a coach that is a big gear pusher. I, I, as much as I hate this idea of these young guys out just like finding all their anabolic knowledge off TikTok and then just trying something, I really hate these guys that like are just so trusting in the coach that they've hired online and just say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's won shows. He's done this, that, and the other. He looks insane. He can get me where I need to be. I'm going to tell a story, and I'm going to avoid any names as best I can. If I, I already know where you're going. You know where I'm going with this. I had a good friend of mine. He was one of the first dudes I ever knew that wanted to get into competing. And this is like I'm probably a year into the gym. I start seeing him. He said he hired a coach. And he's looking crazy. And every time I see him, he's leaner. He's looking fuller. He's getting super strong. And then I start talking to him about supplementation. And I think I had taken testosterone for the first time at that point. And he starts rattling off all the names of these different anabolic agents that I've never even heard of at this point. And he's just talking about these crazy numbers. I'm like, I'm taking test 250 right now once a week. And I'm like feeling like I'm Superman. And he's giving me a grocery list of stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. How old was he? <laughs> I think. Tell him that. I would have I would been 18. I think he was a year older than me. So he was 19. I think 19 years old. He may have still been 18. Regardless, 18, 19 years old, taking a grocery list of gear. Next thing I know, I end up moving to Kentucky a little bit after this. Um, I hear he is no longer in contest prep, and he is now getting some work done on his heart because uh, apparently he had, was predisposed to some conditions like hereditary. Had some like was predisposed to have a bad heart and this that and the other. Was taking too high of dosages. The guy that was putting him on stuff didn't know what he was doing. He was just kind of like a genetic freak that, for whatever reason, some people just get lucky and they yeah. can blast and cruise and blast and cruise their entire life they never have gyno they never have you know cystic acne all these things and they're just fine and good for them yeah but that's a terrible story because he just handed his life to someone yes like he's like here's here's my life tell me what to do well with it. The thing it's, is, it's scary. he's young and he was naive and he wanted, he just saw somebody that wanted, 
He was where he wanted to be, and he just put his trust into that. And I think that is so scary to know that there are guys out there that will just, like, take your money without having, like, any medical background, any, like, coaching background, like, have no idea. They're just like, well, this is what I did. So then they tell them to do that and just destroy someone's body. Like you said, if you have genetic predispositions, you know, if if both your parents have high blood pressure, you start taking 600 milligrams of testosterone a week, you might have high blood pressure. There's there's so many things that can go wrong when you don't do these things right. And back to what Joe said about pushing a ton of anabolics, that's something I've never been a fan of. I've also never had a coach that done that. I've been with the same coach now going on six years, and he's never pushed a ton of anabolics. You know, We've had to go to levels that I was like, oh, okay, in prep. Mm-hmm. which But it was never near the amount that I considered – detrimental to my health or levels that scared me per se. Sure. And it was always controlled. Blood work was always done. I was always making sure my blood pressure was running well. So, I mean, there are ways to mitigate these consequences. However, if you do not take these steps, the long-term consequences can be so bad. I think you're talking about like predispositions. I think that may have been the conversation that we were finally like, talking about my, my family history when we was talking about like, yeah, I was like, yeah, my father's got this out on this on his side of the family. And my mom's, you know, we just, my whole family is just a host of bad hearts and everyone has something. something. Mm -hmm. And Aaron and I were talking one day and he was like, what was your last blood panel? And I was, ah, yeah, never. And I was like, it's been a minute. It's, It's been a good minute. And he was like, as soon as we finish this prep, we're probably, you know, six weeks out at this point. He was like, immediately go get blood work done. He was kind of pissed. I think I was supposed to get it right before we started. Were. And I was like, ah, because full transparency, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't know there were options out there that I could get. Right. So if you're listening to this and you don't have health insurance and you want to obtain blood work, let me know. We can send you some places that have reasonable cost. It's not cheap. Getting... 20 different labs done is never going to be cheap, but if you can get it done for a couple hundred dollars, even if it takes you a couple months to save up, please do. It is so important to know about your health. Budget for that before you'll budget for a trip to Gatlinburg or the beach or a bottle of testosterone. You know, there's, I can, you know, guarantee there's 20 kids in the surrounding area right now stashing back fives to buy that bottle of test. But like, my thing is, Get your blood work done. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, like, had I never got my blood work done, I would have never known my thyroid was not functioning optimally. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't optimal. So I fixed it, and then, like, I was able to do a prep. I was able to win a class and do all these things. It It's so important. Another thing is, like, you see, I know you see it a lot. You hear it all the time, kids, like, I just want to take D-ball, Anadrol, and get super, super strong. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> Well, first off, D-ball only though, no test base. See, that's that's the thing where it gets dangerous, and that's just a lack of knowledge. So, with any supplementation, you need to have some form of test base. Aaron can break down the whole like side effects of what it would come into it, but like what I see is just like guys are crashing their natural testosterone levels because they don't have a base to support it, and specifically with D-ball and all these like get big quick type supplements super supplements whatever you want to call them these guys will get super strong they'll destroy their bodies really quickly but they come off this stuff and they are almost well like test levels are like hypo what's the word hypogonadal hypogonadal yeah yeah so and like with with drugs like d-ball it doesn't just convert to 
through it doesn't just aromatize it actually converts to another type of estrogen as well so please avoid that at all cost don't ever do that and then like you also are going to definitely have high blood pressure on those you hold so much water on both of those like you will you may gain 30 pounds in six weeks but you're going to lose 28 of it as soon as you stop it it's amazing. But these guys will see like, oh, they're filling out their t-shirts for the first time ever and they're benching 350. And it's just, it's, a, I mean, it's amazing to look at from afar. It's almost like watching Animal Planet, like no kidding, like just watching these dudes, you know, literally. And it's, I mean, it's, it's fitting because they kind of look like bears in the face because their face gets so swollen and fat. Yeah. The they, moon face. They get that moon face, you know, facial hair gets all like, you know, thick and patchy on their face. It's just like... I, I, to me, I think it looks gross. But, you know, go that's... buy like a pack of wolves and they howl at them. Yeah. <laughs> think it's the moon, just the moon face. <laughs> that's it, man. That's so that's... bad. So, you know, one of the topics, the main points we want to make from this episode is do not do these things unless you know you can do it safely or you're ready. Don't do these things if you're 18, 19 years old. You don't need them. They come with a lot of side effects. They really do. Um, not just blood pressure cholesterol but you can enlarge your heart um i've seen i actually had a really really good friend who has recently passed away um who had a little bit of an enlarged heart he had been he's a he was a big time bodybuilder he didn't die from his enlarged heart however we knew about it we were monitoring it um so yeah these things do happen these things happen it's so common um and it's just over time like you know you may not realize that you're not going to be able to just tell your heart's enlarged. That's not something you can just touch your chest and feel it. Oh, my heart's enlarged. You have to get a scan. You have to get an ultrasound. Well, it's called an echo. Echocardiogram is what you actually have to get. Um, yeah, so these, these things happen. So if you are going to do these things, please be careful. Please be smart. Please ask someone that knows more than you. In kind of a broad brush, like a little wrap up of this, I think that taking gear is a team effort. If you're having to hide the fact, say, if you're like having to like hide from your parents. If you're still living with your parents, you're too young. Granted, granted, granted. But I'm saying if you're having to like hide from your significant other, if you're having to hide from your family, if you're having to go out of all these ways, if you're on supplementation, this should be constant dialogue with the people that you're living with because there's dialogue with your medical provider, with your medical provider Find someone that you can talk to about these things, because that is very important. And I don't mean to bash any medical provider. A lot of this stuff is not taught in medical school. I will say that. Sure. Like a lot of this is personal research. Find someone you can talk to that knows enough about it that they can guide you into what you need to do to avoid certain things. Because there are certain blood pressure medications that I use on someone that's enhanced versus someone that's not. There are certain thyroid medications that I will put someone on that's killed their thyroid in a, in a bodybuilding prep being enhanced versus someone that comes to me that just has an underactive thyroid. There are so many different caveats this could take. But like I said, you you need to talk, you need to have that team, like a support system, like everything else we talk about with bodybuilding. If you're going to be taking these drastic measures, if you're that invested in your physique and your bodybuilding career, invest in a good coach, uh, you know, the conversation with your medical provider, the conversations with your friends and family to make sure that they are all in a, understanding of what they should expect and what they can do to kind of help to make sure you're doing this in a healthy way. Right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an agreement with your family. Cause when, you know, I've done preps before and you know, my mom is always telling me, 
don't take anything. Don't do that. Don't do that. But she also is under is in an understanding with me that I know my body well enough and I know enough preventative measures that I'm going to do this as safely as possible. And you can give them peace of mind. Yes. Yes. If nothing else, they might not like it, but you know, okay, Aaron's done everything that he needs to do to make sure that what he's doing, although it's not necessarily a safe act, he's doing it as safely as you can. Yes. To preserve and add X amount of years to my life. Sure. Which is doing it unhealthy. Yeah. And you know, and if I never do another bodybuilding prep, there are supplements that I'll never take again. Exactly. And I'm okay with that. Like, like Joe said, I think having a good support group, well, an understanding support group. Sure. They need to be understanding they need to doesn't necessarily have to be supportive of your decisions, but they need to understand why you're doing this, what you're doing, the risk of this. And I'll even go as far to say this. And I hate to even put this in public, but I I want people to know this. So anytime I'm in prep, Tori has a list of every supplement I'm taking at that time. And that's just my personal choice. We, her and I talked on that. We decided on that. So there is a list of every supplement I'm currently taking to where if something happens to me, anything, I'm not talking about falling over dead from a heart attack because I stay on top of all that stuff. But I'm saying if I'm involved in a car accident and I have to go to the hospital and I'm unconscious, pray to God that never happens. But if it does, she has a list. Hey, here's also what he's taking for his current bodybuilding contest. Whether it be, and I'm not admitting to doing a ton of steroids. I'm saying whether it's just, you know, a ginkgo biloba tablet or a cortisol blocker at night, here's what he's on. So if you're going to do these things, be organized. That's smart. Be very organized. I hope you all have taken a lot from this. This is going to wrap up episode three, I believe. But we want to say thank you guys for listening to uh, episode three of the podcast. We're kind of working through some of the kinks, kind of figuring out the microphones, figuring out how to do intros and outros and not sound like robots. And we've listened back to a couple of episodes edited by now and realized how uh, ridiculously cornbread I sound on on these microphones, and I apologize for hee-haw, that. Hee-haw. If you've stuck with us this far, I uh, I appreciate you, and we'll we're gonna have to work on getting you some merch. We appreciate your company, but like I said, that wraps us up for episode three. Uh, keep up with our latest moments by following us on Instagram at Muscles and Medicine or Muscles Medicine Podcast. That's at Muscles Medicine Podcast. Also, if you guys want to leave us a review, rate, review, write us something, tell us something you like, tell us something you didn't like. Um, if you want to share it back to other listeners, that'd be great for us. It really helps us. Once again, thanks for listening, and you'll hear from us again next week. Thank you, guys.